go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we're excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. That's www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, and that is when we heard the call to rebuild, and we joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church at that time. And hopefully now, through the ministry of this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals as well as your parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal with us. Our theme verse for these initial broadcasts has been from 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is within you. Our emphasis has been on the word, be prepared. Right, Peter? That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, in this broadcast today, we want to carry on with this theme about getting prepared. And we are going to be identifying the different stages that people are in when we have an open door or a divine appointment and an opportunity to share our faith. So yes, Leslie, as you mentioned that word prepare, we're preparing ourselves so that God can make us instruments for extending his kingdom and bringing faith to others. So prepare has kind of been a go-to word for us out of 1 Peter. In our last broadcast, we shared how on the day of Pentecost, St. Peter not only presented a powerful message that changed the destiny of 3,000 souls, but we also saw that Holy Spirit recorded the message that day so that it could serve as a model for all proclamation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we took what St. Peter did and showed five distinct things that he proclaimed in the life and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's, it, it's worth repeating them. So, uh, First, he identified his audience, and he tailored the preaching accordingly. We mentioned that there were uh, people from all over the world because this was one of the three times that Jews were required to go to Jerusalem. Secondly, he used sacred scripture in his message that caused the hearers to be, remember that phrase, they were cut to the heart. His message was so powerful that they were cut to the heart, and they became open to his, his proclamation. Third, He took nothing for granted. And what we meant by that, we said that St. Peter would assume that anyone there needed to hear what he had to say. He he really wanted to reach everyone. Fourthly, he was very specific in what he said. He was what we called Jesus-focused. Jesus-focused. He proclaimed the person and work of Jesus Christ. He did not preach the church. 
I think that these five different elements of what he preached on Pentecost Sunday really helped me better understand the proclamation and the charisma. And I do think it really is a good guide for us as individuals and parishes as we start to step out and we want to share our faith. Last week, Peter, you also mentioned a really powerful quote by Cardinal Ratzinger, and it really made uh, uh, impact on me and how important the focus on Jesus is in the midst of our society right now. He said, and I'm gonna, we're going to repeat it again because it is such a great quote. Yes, it is. Today, even critical minds are becoming more clearly aware of the fact that the crisis of our time consists of the crisis of God the disappearance of God from the horizon of human history. Thus, the church's response can only be to speak less and less about herself and more and more about God, to witness to him, to be a doorway for him. So that's that focus on Jesus. Yes. And as I mentioned last week, when I first read that uh, quote by him, when I returned to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, it really gave me pause, and I had to ponder on that one for quite a while. Then fifthly, we said St. Peter gave an invitation for everyone to respond to the proclamation of the gospel. You know, God will never force Leslie. Uh, you know, I know in sacramental preparation in our CIA, we always emphasize that we don't take the Eucharist, we receive the Eucharist. And receiving what God offers us really covers everything that he gives for us but he gives us a choice right he gives right. us a choice to receive of him he doesn't force himself on us he gives us an invitation like he did with the blessed mother yeah exactly so this last point is so very important because now it's going to lead us into our emphasis for our broadcast today just how do we know when the timing's right to invite someone into God's kingdom. And I think that's the hardest part, is getting to that invitation. Right. So let's stop and think for a moment about the biblical examples from the Acts of the Apostles that we've pointed out in previous broadcasts. Of course, last week, we saw on the day of Pentecost, the listeners were immediately cut to the heart, and 3,000 were ready to accept Peter's message. You know, that made me remind me of my own experience when the Lord sent three young men to me in my college days, and they preached the simple gospel to me, and I literally felt my heart on fire as I shared, as that night I gave my life back to the Lord. We also looked at the encounter of the evangelist Philip had with the Ethiopian eunuch. After Philip explained the scriptures to him, the eunuch immediately wanted to be baptized. He was ready, wasn't he? Right then and there. But he also, we also looked at St. Paul's preaching, the charisma or the proclamation of Jesus Christ, to King Agrippa. Remember that? Paul sensed that his message was having an effect on the king, but, and this is a big difference, Agrippa was not ready, like the Ethiopian eunuch, to uh, be baptized or to receive, receive Paul's message. So it seems to me what you're telling us today is that when we share the gospel with others, each person is going to be in a different place. And we really need to learn how to distinguish the place our listener is in. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly right, Leslie. And today we want to discuss the fact conversion is an intricate process in which the Holy Spirit works in the hearts and minds of the people. Central to this process is communication. 
uh, verbal communication. Remember last week we uh, quoted St. Paul in Romans chapter 10. He said, then how can people hear the message and how can they hear the message without a preacher coming to them? So verbalizing the message we want to again emphasize this week is really important for we as Catholics. We mentioned last week also about St. Francis and how the phrase preach the gospel at all times and then sometimes use words really isn't quite accurate when we describe St. Francis and the way that he proclaimed the gospel as well. Well, we've heard from the various conversion stories that we've shared in our past broadcasts that people really do go through different stages in their journey into the kingdom. We heard that with your conversion story, Shaway's, and my own. And if we're going to be messengers of the good news, I believe we can really all benefit from some additional training to help us recognize what stage a person is in and how should we communicate the gospel to them. So at this time, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to examine these different stages and how we can become a better evangelizer to those in our family, our friends, our co-workers, and our neighbors. Mm. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our broadcast, listeners. We've been discussing the idea that there are definite stages that one goes through in coming both to an initial conversion, a reconversion, ongoing conversion, and then ultimately into discipleship. Peter, talk to us now about what those stages are and how we can identify them. Thanks, Leslie. So first of all, I think we need to understand our role in the harvest. Reaping the harvest that Jesus calls us to in Matthew is worth noting here. And um, Leslie, I'd like us all to listen to the words of St. Matthew in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It says this, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every infirmity. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So if we want to rebuild the church, multitudes of faithful Catholics will need to personalize, I believe, and internalize the Lord's beckoning here. You can feel God uh, or Jesus reaching out to us and almost beckoning us to hear and look at the harvest the way that he does. We'll, learn to, we'll need to learn to identify those that Jesus described as the harassed and the helpless. And I think it's helpful to drill down on those two words. You know, I mentioned before that once in a while when we look at the Word of God, it's good to look at the Greek language because the Greek language is very pictorial and it's very graphic and it's got a lot of movement to it and sometimes it opens up our understanding to what the lord is trying to get to us so let's look at those two words he said he saw the people as harassed and helpless first of all harassed that greek word is the greek word skullo which means to flay or to skin 
It is as if this group of people have been, by life circumstances, a layer of well-being has been removed from their lives, almost like they've been spiritually skinned. And that reminds us that, you know, people, there's people all around us that uh, don't have a general well-being. They're not happy. They've had life circumstances kind of take, put a sting in their life. And Jesus said that that was one category of people that he had his eye on in the harvest. The second group of people he called the helpless. That Greek word is ripto, R-I-P-T-O in anglicized form. And this word means to cast down either from drunkenness or a mortal wound. So the Lord's implying here that around us there's people in, in our day and age, we would say have addiction issues, um, alcohol, drugs, pornography, other kinds of addictions, and also mortal wounds, that word says. Of course, we all have the mortal wound, don't we, from original sin. But then on top of that, we can really have situations, sicknesses, financial difficulties, uh, death in those that are close to us to end up really putting a wound in us. Now, again, going back to that, those verses, Jesus said these are the groups he's telling us to first and foremost he has compassion on. And secondly, he tells us they are the harvest and this harvest is plentiful. So he's telling us there's, these people are all around us, Leslie. Uh, in other words, each of us are surrounded by folks like this that need Catholic lay people to share their faith with them. This is such a great call and a challenge from Jesus. It makes me think, do I want to do I want to be on the sidelines or do I really want to engage the harvest? Because as we listen to the words of Jesus, he wants us to realize there's a large crop in the field that's ready to be harvested and there just aren't enough workers. So where do we want to be? He's appealing to us to look with compassion at the crowd of people that make up the harvest. And these people we recognize are in various stages, like you said. So Peter, how can we better relate to these people? What do we need to know so that we can reach them with the gospel? Well, in our initial broadcast, I mentioned this very game-changing book that was written by Sherry Waddell called Forming Intentional Disciples, The Pathway to Knowing and Following Jesus Christ. A couple of things about her book is worth noting. First of all, Sherry brought to our attention uh, in 2012, when the book was published, that there are countless Catholics who are not aware that they can have a personal encounter and relationship with Jesus Christ. She did that as a result of having this lay apostolate called Called and Gifted that's gone all over the world. And through that uh, apostolate, they have um, interviewed lots and lots of Catholics, clergy, and laity. And secondly, as a result of some of that, as noted in the subtitle of her book, she lays out a pathway to both know and follow Jesus. In that pathway, she offers to us specific stages, and she refers to those stages as thresholds. People go through in coming to conversion and relationship with the Lord. These thresholds should also lead to becoming a disciple, according to uh, Sherry Waddell. According to her assessment, and we mentioned this in our first broadcast, a mere average of 5% was her guesstimate, so to speak, of Catholics in any given American parish, according to the biblical standards of discipleship, would be considered as disciples. Peter, as we look at these thresholds that Sherry Waddell points out, do they help us 
understand how we can easily identify in this great harvest the different stages that people may be in on their personal conversion uh, journey? Yes, and so we want to we want to really do that. We want to talk about these stages, but I want to introduce to you to our listening audience what is called the angle E N G E L angle scale of steps to Christ. This originated with a fellow not by the name of James F. Angle from Wheaton College in 1975 in his book, interesting to the scripture that I read, "What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest." He draws from secular research on attitudes in the business world, politics, etc., to show us how attitudes affect the evangelization process. I really like this layout of the stages, Leslie, in the process of conversion and discipleship because the angle scale goes into depth and integrates things like knowledge, belief, attitudes of the, the listener, intentions, as well as a decision helping to make us understand conversion. You know, many Catholics, I think, are really right now desiring to learn how to evangelize and to share their faith, but there's an equipping process that really needs to take place so that we become comfortable and realize that God's not calling us to go door-to-door or to go in front of Lucas Oil Stadium and and get, get a... Uh, uh, a megaphone and preach, but he really is calling us to be equipped so that we can minister to those that he brings in our midst. I think, Peter, that you're right. There are a lot of Catholics that are wanting to become more comfortable. And as we've learned in our work in the in the local parish, building an evangelization team, this is really a lot of times the motivation why they join the evangelization team, mm-hmm. because they don't know how to share their faith and they want to. Mm-hmm. So I think we are ready now to get into the stages that you've been alluding to. And I think at this point, we are going to take another break. And when we return, we will discuss the different stages on the Engel scale and its implications for us as we learn to share our faith. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a voice for the church that's seldom heard in our chaotic world. We're confirmation for the strong of faith and encouragement and answers for those in doubt. We're there to rejoice with your triumphs and to be a voice of consolation through the dark times. We're a voice for vocations and proudly pro-life. We are Catholic Radio Indy and catholicradioindy.org. Welcome back, everyone, to our broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. In our discussions today, we are looking at some important and foundational ideas on how to rebuild in our Catholic culture, and that's the ability to share our faith more effectively. Peter, before the break, we were talking about the Engel scale. You introduced us to that tool, and it's a tool that prepares us to meet people where they are on their spiritual journeys. Could you go into some more detail about all of this and help us understand it? So yes, I'd like to take some time to explain this scale and comment on some some specific points, Leslie, to consider bringing a person to conversion and discipleship. This is going to be fairly content heavy, okay? But I'm going to go slow and methodically 
And also at the end of our program, we're going to tell people how they can access this information, the scale, and of course, the, the uh, uh, broad, broadcast and podcast will be available and worth to go over again, because these are things I think that we need to chew on and digest. So uh, first of all, uh, this is not cookie cutter. Uh, this uh, going through this process, just as Sherry Waddell's thresholds are not. It's not a checklist where you check, go through and check boxes, so to speak. Rather, it's a model that will help clarify the Matthew 9 scripture that we read earlier when we encounter others, everyone having that unique journey and are in different places toward their faith in uh, the Lord Jesus, right? Um, there are three major realms in this angle scale that we can find a person living within their relationship with the Lord. And they're identified as fringe, okay, like on the outskirts, the word fringe. Secondly, the word friend, that's the second realm we're going to look at. And then the third realm is called spiritual family. So these are the three realms that this Ingalls scale will categorize people at and where they're at in their journey. So let's, uh, let me acquaint you with this as we talk about the first realm, which is called fringe, right? And within that realm, there's six stages that people are at that Engel identified in their journey. So the first person that we uh, identify is one who has no awareness of God. That's someone that we meet and that they're an atheist, they're agnostic, not necessarily antagonistic, but just agnostic, kind of like the Athenians when Paul went to Athena, Athena uh, in Athens and he uh, was in the public square and all these gods were there and there was one dedicated to the unknown God. They would be in that category. The second uh, stage in this fringe realm would be someone who has some awareness of God. That is, they know there's a supreme being somehow, somewhere, but that's about it. The third stage, uh, going through the stages here, is that this is a person who's had contact with other Christians. Okay, it's like they would say, you know, Mary talked to me that they became a Christian about a month ago. And then I ran into Joe two weeks ago, and he became a Christian too. So that alerts me. That kind of puts an antenna up in me in this stage uh, understanding that, hey, the Holy Spirit is really working in this person's life. Then the for fourth stage in this realm is interest in Jesus. It's someone that would be saying, I never thought of him before. Okay, I never thought about Jesus before, but I'm starting to think about him, and he may be important. He may be more important than I've given importance to him. The fifth stage is called investigating Jesus. That same person would, would go one step further and say, so Christians really do believe that, right, Peter? And so there's an interest. You can sense an interest that's happening in their life. And then the last stage in this grouping would be grasping truth about Jesus. So they could make a statement like, so all those written documents included in the Bible, they do really have uh, historical validity, don't they? So one of the interventions that can be very powerful, Leslie, during this fringe time frame is that there may be an opportunity to introduce prayer for a special need in that person's life. I know that you've had many opportunities over the years to do that with people in this stage. Would you mind sharing one of those experiences? 
Yes, Peter, this is an area where I tend to be most comfortable, and that's demonstrating my compassion by offering to pray for those that are being harassed or in some kind of human predicament. At my work recently, I had a colleague that was battling breast cancer, and she seemed to be in the stage of having some awareness of God, some awareness of a supreme being. So I I stepped out in faith, and I shared with her very simply that I would be praying for her. And I made a point every time I saw her not to avoid her, but always take the time to find out how she was doing, how her treatment was going, and continue to offer my ongoing prayer support. Thanks for that, Leslie. So that brings us to the second realm. Remember, we said there's three realms. This is the friendship realm, the friend realm. And in the there's three stages, three short stages here, that a person becomes what we would call open to the gospel. And the first stage in this realm is the person understands implications of the truth about Jesus. If they're saying to themselves, so to speak, Leslie, if all of this information is true, I have to decide what I must do, what must be done in this situation where I'm understanding these implications. Then the second uh, stage in this friendship realm is acceptance of the Christian faith. The person realizes that Christianity is the truth about life, about death, about the hereafter. In other words, eternal life is knocking at their door. And then finally, in this stage, or in this realm, I should say, this stage says that, we, that one accepts the implications of becoming a Christian. At this point, I may consider even inviting that person to a church function, a festival, a Christmas concert, etc. Now, Leslie, I know that here, too, you've had opportunities to reach out to others who are at this stage, asking them to a church experience. Could you share that with us today? Yes. Um, the, the example that I'd like to share is when I reached out to someone I knew who was a baptized Catholic but was deeply separated from their faith and the church for years. This individual was struggling with their faith and they were searching for the truth. So I took a step of faith and I invited them to Alpha at our church. And within the Alpha context, you can ask big questions regarding your faith and life without any judgment. Well, it ended up being a really good time, and we were able to discuss some of the basic truths, like why did Jesus die? How can I have faith? Why should I pray? And I really believe this sowed some good seeds in this person, as I could see they became more and more open to the gospel and really reigniting their faith. Yeah, thanks for that, Leslie. So we said that there's the last realm called the spiritual family realm, and we're going to be able to share that next week and review these because, again, I said it's fairly content-oriented, but we really want to help people understand and begin to see their encounters with people at different stages. Right. Next week, we will take you through the steps in this family stage, beginning with the decision to surrender to Jesus all the way to ongoing growth as a disciple. So this is a lot of great information, Peter, that we've been discussing, and we will be placing the Engel Scale on our website so our listeners can download this information and begin to use this tool both in your personal life and then introduce it in your parish ministries. So once again, our website where you can find the Engel Scale is www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Thanks for joining us, everyone, today, and we hope that... uh, these broadcasts lead you to prayer 
lead you to the harvest and open yourselves up to be available to Jesus for the harvest. Thank you. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 105.7.